0: All right, welcome back to the podcast. We're um, here today with me is uh, co-host Nick Costco. How's it going? And our great producer, Matt Johnson. Matt, thanks for being here with us today. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. So, you know, we were thinking of a uh, podcast subject for today's uh, recording and uh, came up with what are some of the basic questions that people have when they hear about infinite banking, or they attend one of our events, or they attend a webinar. And since Matt has attended one of our uh, business summit meetings in Louisville, he had some great questions that we just thought maybe other people out in the audience, they have the same question. And so we'd like to spend some time running through those questions and answering them.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, that was basically the, uh, the premise that I've got, I've got a few of them that I want to throw at you. And, uh, the, the first thing that, that really jumped out to me when I was sitting in the audience at the boot camp, um, the, the examples are great. Um, the examples from the book are great. I went ahead and, and, and read the book, uh, on the plane flight in. So I was maybe a little bit more prepared even than the average person would be like sitting in the audience for that, that kind of meeting. And one of the things that jumped out to me was when you explain the process of kind of using a whole life contract as a way to build wealth. So let's say you, you accept the premise that hey, I'm going to take my my the money that I could be putting into like a self-directed you know 401k or something like that, some sort of retired traditional retirement vehicle, right? And you accept the fact that no, I need to take charge of it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break out of the herd. And once you accept that, I, I sat there and I was thinking, okay, what's in it? what's in it for the insurance company, right? The idea that your money continues to compound and grow while you still have use and control sounds amazing, right? Which is exactly why we don't get that with 401ks because it's amazing, right? We don't want that, they don't want us to have that. So the question that I had was, okay, well, you know, insurance companies are no more virtuous than the, the the companies that run the 401ks or the traditional wealth management firms and stuff like that. They're all in it for the same reason. So really what's in it for the insurance companies? And you had a great answer. I'm
0: curious to see what you have to say. So yeah, let me let me just back up and 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 clarify something because you 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 made a distinction there. You said how can I build my what's the difference between building my wealth with through a whole life insurance contract? very specifically designed, or saving for retirement or investing for retirement in a 401k. Mm-hmm. Now, those are two totally different things because you don't build wealth in a 401k. You build a retirement fund. So you climb this mountain, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you feel like you get enough in there and then you descend from the mountain and hope that you don't get to the bottom of the mountain, meaning you run out of money before you die, right? Right. That's what a 401k is designed to do. That is not building wealth, right? Mm-hmm. And it has all, all these presumptions that I'm not going to retire until I'm 65 or at least after 59 and a half. Well, yeah. um, retire, what the, the definition of retirement, Nick, is what?
2: Removed from service.
0: Right. I, I'm 53 years old in 10 years, 20 years. I don't want to be removed from service, but I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it right? And I want to have fun doing it. And I want to serve other people and teach them how to, b- to build true wealth. So let's think of a 35-year-old that has passive income coming in of $500,000 a year. And they say, you know what? I'm financially independent. I can do whatever I want. I'm 35 years old, Right. Mm -hmm. that's what we want. We want to build wealth. So we have to make that distinction. The government plan and a qualified plan, whether it's an IRA, 401k, 403b, anything like that is designed to keep you in the rat race and being part of the retirement crowd, not the wealth crowd. But so going back to the, the, the real question that you asked is why would an insurance company, allow people to use this as as a bank okay Mm -hmm. so number one we got to think of what are the goals of all financial institutions okay what do they want four things right what are there there are four things but matt what does a financial institution want well i would say a bigger financial institution wants
1: to make money but they want to make it in a very secure way over a very long period of time
0: and you know what? The insurance company is right there with you. But the number one thing that they want is they want your money, mm. right? A bank wants your money. The insurance company wants your money. How much of it do they want? All of it. As much all as you'll much give them, yeah. right? And how long do they want to keep it? For as long as humanly possible. Okay. how much of it do they want to give back to you? As little as humanly possible. As awesome. And 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 you answered all those questions exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so let's just make sure we know that the insurance company is not uh, doing this out out of the kindness of their heart. Right. Right. The insurance company operates on actuarial science. So they know that if a young guy like you um, starts to put $100,000 or $50,000 with them, uh, and you're going to do that for the rest of your life, they are going to have this pool of money that they're going to be able to use for 40, 50 years or more, and that someday they're going to have to pay you out this death benefit, right? Mm -hmm. But they get to use your money for a long time. Then, when you want to use some of your money, because this is something that a lot of people, including a a lot of insurance agents, don't understand, is that when you use your insurance contract as the bank, you're not taking your money out of the account. You're using the insurance company's money. So the insurance company money is going to charge you an interest only loan. They're going to charge you interest on that loan, but your money is going to stay and grow tax free. Now, right now there are companies that the rates are between four and five for the companies we use. There's a lot of insurance uh, companies out there that charge up to 8% for these loans. Let's just take four or 5%. And it's a guaranteed loan to the, Insurance company, they have no risk in this loan, Matt, right? right. Because your cash is the collateral.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's no risk for 4 or 5%. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, right? I mean, in uh, and, and a cash position today, that's a good asset, that loan, to the insurance company. Mm-hmm. Plus, they have use of your money, right? And you're paying them interest to use money. So, So why would the insurance company do that? That's why. If if, if if there's there's no free lunch in insurance there's no free lunch in real estate you have to you know somebody's going to uh you know somebody's going to charge you to use their money and that's okay because everything that I'm describing is on the left side of the ledger the way that we would explain it is going to be in the meeting notes okay. um and people that are watching on um YouTube will be able to see this, but um, you look at the ledger like this. What we're describing is everything on this side of the ledger, inside of the life insurance contract, how the insurance company uh, reacts, um, etc. Okay. Now, remember that we said we're going to use IBC to build wealth. Mm-hmm. Right that's one of the things that you said in your question which I really like that you're saying that because that's the that's the right perception. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the insurance company's money and now we're going to move to the right side of the ledger. Okay? Now for everybody that's familiar with the cash flow quadrant, this would move you want to move the same direction. You want to move from left to right, okay? Over here we're going to buy assets. Let's say it's real estate, okay? Now, we're going to leverage this real estate a hundred percent, Okay. even if we use a commercial bank. Now, I'm all for seller finance, I'm, I'm all mm-hmm. for that. The seller might finance it, maybe we would uh, use the insurance companies for the down payment, there's an infinite number of ways to do it. Yeah. But this, these dollars, they're going to flow back into the insurance contract which means they can be that the insurance company's money can be deployed again because this is going to free up our our ability to borrow money from the insurance company over and over and over and we're going to create velocity of money but mm-hmm. these passive income assets okay those are going to be the key so I get both here by the way mm-hmm. I get the left side of the ledger what's everything going on inside the insurance contract very specifically designed for high cash and cash accumulation and I get everything on this side of the ledger which is my behavior okay so now I still want to go back to what the insurance company the insurance company the 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 amount of people that take a loan from their insurance contract is very low mm-hmm. Depending on the company, it could be 10%, it could be 15%, but that's probably about it. And companies have uh, two ways of recognizing that. One is non-direct recognition, meaning I still get the same um, dividends and everything else within the company or within my contract, mm-hmm. or direct recognition, which means they reduce my dividend or they recognize the loan um which mm. they- so where they behave more like a bank they're they're not quite taking your loan out of the proceeds
1: of your cash value necessarily but they at least tie your loan directly to an effect on your policy
0: yeah they're gonna say hey um you were gonna get five and a half percent uh or you know five and a half percent dividend on the on the on that part of the dividend calculation mm-hmm. um and because you're taking a loan you're only going to get four and a half okay so um now typically And Nelson Nash would tell you that both types of contracts work, right? Because of our behavior, because of this right side of the ledger. Right. In other words, what you're doing with it, if you just, if you took
1: a loan out against a whole life policy or like that and just burnt the money or something like that, or put it into an asset that that really wasn't an asset, it was a liability, that doesn't do much for you to build wealth. If you put it into an
0: asset, that's where you start building wealth. Absolutely. And and what most people, what they uh, most people out in the, that are coaching people on IBC, infinite banking or privatized banking or cash flow banking, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. they're telling you how to recapture interest that you're paying somebody else. They're telling you how to um, uh, eliminate lost opportunity costs. Mm-hmm. We're telling you how to do all those things too, but we're taking it to the next level and we're showing you how to build wealth with it. Right. Or if you're a business owner and you have thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of dollars going out in interest and lost opportunity costs, we're really showing you how to redirect the flow back to you with that. I mean, we're, yeah. we're kind of that advanced. That things I wanted to
1: ask you about, because that's, you know, like if you if you talk to some of my friends that are doing a combination of, you know, like like building investment machines, in other words, they have they have wholesale machines, or they have fix and flip machines, buy and hold machines that you know, systematized businesses, where they have partners who are finding the deals, they have they have a sales staff who closes them, they have a rehab team, like they have they have a machine in place that's investing in real estate, or guys that are out there and they have something similar in the small multifamily and even up into the larger multifamily. Uh, What would you tell someone like that? Like what's in it for them? To, to open up their mind to this kind of thing? Like, and what what impact are we are we talking about?
0: So what I would tell them is, um, do, you, do you use a money pool? And they would say, mm-hmm. yeah, we have to use okay. a money pool. It's either our money or the bank's money or a line of credit or something that we have with investors, right, okay. or we use investors' money. Okay, is if you could do that inside of a tax shelter, right, and where your money never left, and you never interrupted your compounding, right, and you were in control, where you decide loans, if they're, if they're uh, good loans or not good loans, where you're 100% in control of the banking function in that equation, would that help you or hinder you? Yeah, well, of course it would help. Yeah, It would help, right? I mean, the, the, the whole thing about the bank controlling the banking function is the bank's in control, Mm-hmm. Whoever controls the money makes the money. So I want to be in control of that, and I, it allows me to maneuver much faster in the real estate business. Whether I'm flipping, whether I'm um, developing, whether I'm uh, buying real estate for cash flow, it helps me maneuver. And as if remember in my example up here, mm-hmm. as we're getting cash flow right from these assets then what's going to happen is this cash flow is going to come back in and then it's going to be redeployed to go buy more assets yeah so i get to create velocity of money with my money and the insurance company's money and instead of the bank creating velocity of money for the bank's benefit with my with my doing it with my money yeah. So it's the same
1: process that a bank would do, uh, which is why I call it kind of infinite banking or becoming your own banker. This is the same process they go through. You're just able to take control of the function. And because you have control, then you're the one that makes the profit off of that velocity. Absolutely. Nick, anything to add to that?
2: No, I think, you know, part of the natural add-on question to what you asked is like, what's in it for the insurance company and why do they do this? And and how is that secured? Well, listen, they're they're only... Going to lend you an amount that they can put a lien on your cash value, but also in the inevitable event that you pass away, okay? You got this uh, most likely tax-free distribution of a death benefit that's going to be paid to your state. But let's just say that that was a million dollars and you had a hundred thousand lent out. Well, the insurance company's still going to get paid there because they're just going to pay out nine hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. But in this example, guess what? You still have all of the the wealth that you built over there on the right side of the equation. Yeah. And and it's kind of like the ultimate and asset when you start looking at it like that. It's like, Hey, I can look at it scarcely and I can just pile money up in this bag over here and, and, and hope. Right. Mm -hmm. Or I can put it to work like the real wealthy are doing. And that's just how I look at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And there was something, um, I think that also goes to one of my other questions that I initially had, because Jim, you talked about the speed, the ability to move faster, the ability to maneuver, the ability to make and then follow through on decisions faster when you're buying those types of assets. I think one of the things that holds, uh, it doesn't hold experienced investors back, but it does hold them up, uh, is going to the banks to get money for a deal. The deal is already in place. The deal is good. Right. Yeah. But then you have yep. to jump over 17,000 hoops to get the money for the deal that you already know is good. And right. one of the points that you made about moving faster is the insurance company, when you're taking out a loan against a policy where you're taking a lien against your cash value, like the, the requirements are, you know, we're talking about them not next to none, but there's, there's not a lot there. And I think that's one of the other things that I initially found hard to understand. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about why that is. Why don't you have to go through the same type of protection procedures? Uh, you know, for an insurance company, is it just the fact that they feel like if you default, there's really no risk there. So they let you kind of borrow their money without any, uh, without a lot of protection against the, uh, against default.
0: So when you buy an insurance contract, now you have a unilateral uh, contract with the insurance company, meaning you can make changes, but they can't. And one of the privileges in the policy is, lo- is a loan privilege right? And because you are borrowing something with no risk and 100% um, uh, protection for the insurance company, they don't get to ask you what you're going to do with the money. Mm -hmm. They don't even get to tell you whether you can get the money. It's a contractual right in the insurance policy. Okay, so that's established from the very, very beginning. So you don't ask for a loan, like you would at a bank, you order a loan, or you just tell them, send me the money. And, you know, um, one, one thing to think about is that you have to, you know, that wealth resides somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? All your wealth has to reside somewhere. If somebody bought your company or bought, you know, you came into a windfall of a hundred million dollars, your biggest challenge is what, what do I do with it? Yeah. I got to put it somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, there's not an option of it not being anywhere. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it could be under your mattress, right? Yeah. But it has to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and so with the, when you have money sitting in your checking account or in a mutual fund or something like that, and you want to go buy something else, you want to go buy that real estate that you mentioned, Matt, is you got to decide, am I willing to take the money out of my account and put it in that real estate? Right. Right. And if I do that, now it's an or asset. I either have what I had before or I have this new real estate project. Okay. In this, you don't. You order the loan, you get to use the insurance company's money to go do the new project and you keep the asset um, compounding uninterrupted. Right. That's, the, that's why it's the greatest thing ever because you know, there's not another place you can do that. And you get a hundred percent of your up to a hundred percent of your balance, right? They hold back interest for the until the anniversary date of the policy, um, from the date of the loan to the anniversary date of the policy. But I mean, it basically, you get a hundred percent collateralization. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had a bond account with a bank, you'd get about seventy-five or eighty percent. A stock market account about fifty percent. Okay. And other assets are going to be discounted because the bank wants to make sure what if you default. We're good, right? Right, and with this, you're getting a hundred percent use of your money. Okay. And every time that you make a payment back in, or 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 cash flow comes back in, mm-hmm. you get to do what? Redeploy the money. So you. when you when you make money. Redeploy it, make money, redeploy it. What happens is you start to create velocity of money, and the money starts to move faster and faster and faster.
1: Yeah, I think that's what—that's one of the things that was that stuck out to me initially, and I think is hard to to wrap your brain around. May maybe easier for the people that are more familiar with the banking industry and how money is really made behind the scenes. But yeah, when you talk about you're going to the next level, it's one thing to take out. A loan against your cash policy and go buy your car, and there's value in that, right? Not yep. not paying exorbitant interest, great. That's a win, yeah. but it's not it's not the level that we're talking about here. Like that's that's the most basic level that you can use this at, is just to kind of save yourself from the losses of things like high interest and and just being a part of a rigged system. But once you step out of the rigged system, then you can start thinking in terms of okay, now that I have access to this pool of money. What can I put it into that creates an asset that feeds money back into repaying that policy? So you come out of it with the policy paid back and still have the asset in your hands. Do I understand that right?
0: Absolutely. So you could take like a farmer with a combine, you know, combine, a five hundred thousand dollar combine. A dentist with a Cirac machine or an eye surgeon with a with a with a laser of some sort, right? Good. Okay. Um, you're talking about could be millions of dollars for that piece of equipment, Mm -hmm. but that equipment is going to make you money. It's going to cash flow. It's an asset, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a liability. It's an asset. So when you buy, we pay $2 million for the equipment, you don't do it so that you're going to lose money. You're going to make money over time. Okay. So when it makes money then you flow some of that money back into the policy, right? Mm -hmm. To pay off that asset and to do what? buy more assets mm-hmm. or, or to, um, take advantage of other opportunities. But when we see, uh, professionals like a, a farmer, a doctor, or a surgeon do this, com- what you have to ask yourself is compared to what, what's the other way to do it? Well, I could pay cash, yeah. but then that cash uh, on that $500,000 combine, that's gone forever. Mm-hmm. It never and, grows. And it never earns
1: compound interest with it.
0: Right. So I get the, okay. I get my 500 grand or I get the combine, which I'm going to make money with. Right. And the reason that I take it out of one account to go buy it and, and use it for the combine is that I, I'm going to, I'm going to hope or and know that the combine is going to make more money than what that account was going to make. Yeah. Right. Or I go borrow it and the insurance or the bank gives me a loan and then I got then I then then I'm going to pay interest and I'm gonna pay probably volume of interest. Maybe that five hundred thousand dollar combine is gonna cost me seven or eight hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um and um and and I hope that the combine makes enough money to make all that make sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Think about this too, Matt. That combine you spend five hundred thousand on. Let's say that that thing you you're able to produce hundred thousand dollars with that in a given year, okay? Right. okay. And you take compared to what you take that hundred thousand, you put that into your brick and mortar account. Well, they give you a they give you hundred thousand, right? Well, with the the way that the life insurance contract works, with the guarantee uh, growth inside of it. Let's say that I take that 100000 and I put that into my life insurance contract. And after a few years, due to the compounding nature of it, I put in the 100000 and I get $200,000 to use. Mm-hmm. So I'm comparing that to the brick and mortar. And I, and I love that Jim asked that all the time. Okay, that, just compare it to something else. And wow. most people aren't doing that. Um, they'll compare it with their mattress money compared to the checking account. But what they don't realize is that there are masses amounts of money that are, that are being used through contracts like this. Hmm. And it's incredibly powerful when you don't interrupt the compounding of taking that 500,000 out.
0: Hmm.
2: It, it stays in the contract, it's still growing for you and as you feed it, it can multiply on itself.
0: Yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's self-completing, meaning that if you, God forbid you were hit by a truck, within the first year, or the 10th year, or the 50th year, your family, your beneficiaries are gonna get a tax-free um, benefit. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you the thing you gotta think about is tax-free death benefit. Also, <laughs> there's some protections in there for um, terminal, critical, chronic care. Okay. Um, and so, there's a lot of different uses for these policies And how many things in your life can you say that I'm going to use all the cash if I need it for my care when I get older, and then eventually when I die, people that I love and care about that I leave behind are going to benefit from it too. Right. Now, we have to think, and again, the people that we're working with a lot of times, they've made a lot of money, they're very successful, and they're looking for a way to make an impact. Mm. Where's the first place you make an impact? Yeah. With the people yeah. that you love. Yeah. Right? Then it's the causes. Then it's, and this is unlimited. This could, this, as you build your banking system, it's okay, my, you know, uh, my charity that I care about the most is going to get this. My family is going to get this. And you start to build this legacy. And this is what wealthy, wealthy, wealthy families have done forever. Mm. This is what they've done. The smart ones, the ones that still have money. <laughs> Not well, the ones that it all. If we're gonna go through, um, if we're gonna do
1: what it takes to build the wealth, let's uh, let's let's do what it takes to keep it and pass it on to the people that we care about. So, absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up there because we could go deeper down the rabbit hole, but those are the main questions that I had for this particular episode. We'll do maybe one of these uh, down the road where we talk about some other questions that I that I have, and other common questions uh, related to the content. But uh, let's finish up here, uh,
0: Jim. What's the best way for people to reach out and connect and learn more? The the easiest way is to go to createtailwind.com, and there's a there's a there's a spot you can enter your email and request a an overview. Now this overview is normally done electronically. It'd be like on a webinar, just like this. Mm-hmm. So you know you you nobody's gonna throw you down on the ground and twist your arm behind your back. <laughs> I mean you're either gonna like this or you're not. Um, we we sleep we, the same either way. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> our heart rate does not increase or decrease depending on whether you wanted to start a bank, not start a bank, put $10,000 a year in or put $10 million a year in. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that we do business is our heart rate is not going to change one way or the other. We are going to show you this. We're going to educate you. And if you decide you want to move forward, great. But the best way is to do that, Matt, because Mm -hmm. in 45 minutes to an hour of seeing this, Mm -hmm. you'll know, Hey, this is for me or it's not for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah and if you're if you're a regular listener to the listener to the podcast and you're already of the mind that you want to break away and build wealth in kind of unconventional alternative ways um, then that that kind of speeds the process up a little bit. You can you have some common ground to agree on. Uh, like definitely, I came to the table with that mentality already. So as long as you're uh, as long as you come uh, off the podcast, you're already going to be prepped for some of the concepts that you'll learn. Uh, so love that. Nick, thank you so much. I know you didn't get a chance to pipe in very much because you wanted to shine the spotlight on Jim on this this particular one. But gentlemen, I right. appreciate your
0: time. Thank you. Take care. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.